Yechezkel chapter 40. Book of Yechezkel chapter 40 until the conclusion of the book in chapter 48 is all about the temple that Yechezkel has shown, a vision of a temple, futuristic vision, perhaps an end of days vision, utopian vision, and it, and it occupies nine chapters out of 48. It's, it's a long sequence of chapters. It is a it's the ending of the book. And it reminds us, I believe, of another book that we have, which spends a great deal of time on the temple. The instructions to build the temple, the building of the temple. And of course, that's Sefer Shemot, the book of Exodus, 40 chapters long. Twelve of those chapters deal with both instructions and building of the temple. And that's the conclusion of the book of Exodus. The conclusion of the story of the Exodus in the book of Exodus it concludes with it concludes with the construction of a space in which God and the people dwell together. That seems to be, if one looks at the book of Exodus as a discrete book, that seems to be the goal of the book of Exodus. Now we come to our book, Yecheskel, and one can make a very strong case that that is the goal of Yecheskel. We remember that the book of Yecheskel started with the vision, the divine chariot. God's presence, God's presence can be anywhere. Yechezkel is a prophet who prophesies outside the land. And the last nine chapters are all about God's place within the land and within the world. And this place is the temple that is Yechezkel is shown, beginning in chapter 40. These are very difficult chapters in the sense that it's hard to visualize precisely at several points in our story, what exactly it looks like. And there are disagreements about some of the details. I'm going to be focusing in these nine chapters on some of the larger themes of Yechezkel, and in particular the temple that he envisions, and how the temple relates to the rest of the book of Yechezkel. Now, we remember, of course, that in the previous two chapters, we have the description of a war, a, a war against Gog, God's battle against Og, against Gog, and at the end of that battle, there is a bringing back of Israel, or Israel finds their place. Israel is already back, but somehow it sounds like an end of days battle, after which God can truly be described as king, and that leads us into the temple. And actually, when you think about it, we have other prophecies in that tradition that are similar in a certain sense. The one that stands out as obviously very similar is the prophecy in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah is a later prophet, and the prophet who prophecies of Zechariah are in the Treasar, 12 minor prophets. And he also prophesies about a battle. And at the end of the battle, in the last chapter of Zechariah, he talks about the entire world accepting God, and in fact, coming to the temple. Chapter 14 of Zechariah speaks about the world coming to pay homage to God at the temple, and specifically the holiday of Sukkot. That's how the book of Zechariah ends, that all the nations will come, and woe to those that do not come, to uh, pay homage to God on the festival of Sukkot. That's chapter 14 of Zechariah. 
And these are verses, verse number 16 of chapter 14. And again, repeated in verse number 18 of chapter 14. And again in verse 19. If you don't come in Chagah Sukkot, the Chagah Sukkot is to be identified both in the Torah and, of course, in the rabbinic tradition with the temple. Sukkot is a temple holiday. So the book of Zechariah ends with the world paying homage to God, making the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and paying homage to God. That's the book of Zechariah ends. We recall, of course, the book of Ishayahu, which also speaks about, in more than one place, God's temple being a place of prayer for, for all. And the end of Yeshayahu also speaks about the world coming on the Sabbaths and Rosh Chodesh, Bidei Shabbat, Bishabbato, Chodesh, Bechadshol, Yavo, they will come to pay homage to God. So we do have this tradition which identifies the end of days with the temple. And we have a tradition which in one form or another speaks of the acceptance of God by the world. Now it's different in Yechezkel. We'll come to this in Yechezkel. Yechezkel's vision, utopian vision, and Yeshaya's vision are quite different. And we'll get to this later. We come to the later chapters which talk about this temple. Let's take a look at chapter 40, verse number 1. Yasrim v'chamesh shana l'galutenu b'rosh hashana b'asar ha-chodesh b'arbaas reshana acharashehu ta'ir b'etzem hayom hazeh ha-ta'ar la'yad Hashem v'yovei oti shama. So the prophecy we are told takes place in the 25th year. It's not clear, 25th year from what, but 25th year, typically in the book of Yechezkel, the exile of Yehoiachin is a very a day, an event that things are dated from. But in any event, it says Berosh Hashanah. That's a very unusual to find that expression, Rosh Hashanah, in the Bible. I don't know if it appears anyplace else. On the tenth day of the month, the Etzem Ayomazah, on this selfsame day, this very day, the hand of God was a Upon me and brought me there, Shama. So the question is, what day is this? So Rosh Hashanah in our vocabulary is Rosh Hashanah, seventh month. But in the Torah, that the first month is not Rosh, month of Rosh Hashanah; it's the seventh month. Hachodesh Hazelach and Rosh Chodeshim refers typically to the month of which Pesach falls, our first holiday, and in the Bible, that is the first month. Now, what's interesting is the 10th day of the first month. The 10th day of Tishrei is Yom Kippur. What about the 10th day of the first month? So the 10th day of the first month in the Torah is the day that in Egypt we were told to choose the Paschal sacrifice. If we presume, and I think the most logical interpretation is we're talking about Pesach, we're talking about that month, the month of Nisan, and the prophecy takes place on the day that we were told in Egypt to choose the sacrifice. And it takes place as well, be etzem hayomazer. Etzem hayomazer is a term we find in the Torah on this very day. We have it with Yom Kippur. But we also have it with the exodus from Egypt. On this very day, that's the day that we brought the Paschal sacrifice and ate it at night. And at that time, be etzem hayomazer, we left the land of Egypt. 
And what allowed us to leave the land of Egypt, of course, was the Paschal sacrifice. You can't leave till you bring the sacrifice first. So over here, if we assume that we're talking about the 10th day of this month, the first month, then there's something about that sacrifice which will color the description of Yechezkel's temple. And if we continue with the next verse, Bimarot Elohim heviyani el Eretz Yisrael in the visions of God, here's another expression we don't find too often in the Bible, Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel. He's brought to a place, to a very high mountain. God sets Tichesco down on a high mountain. And God brought me there. Israel. So here, what we notice is first of all. He's brought to some place, and there is a person, a being there, standing at the gate. And he ha- this being has a measuring rod. He used to measure. And the word that stands out in the instruction to Yechezkel is the word to see. He's brought the Bimarot Elohim in visions of God, and he's told, see with your own eyes. See Asherani Mar that I show you. You've been brought here in order to see. And everything you see, you should tell the house of Israel. Now we remember in the description in the Torah of the Mishkan, those twelve chapters at the end of the book of Exodus, that talk about the Mishkan, and Moshe is given instructions about how to build the Mishkan, just as Yechezkel will be shown. We'll, we'll actually see the person measuring and we'll be told what these are. But in the case of Moshe as well, he's told several times, give the instructions to those who build it, do what you have been shown, do what you see. So the idea of the Mishkan is, you're not just told what to do, you're shown what to do. Over here in Yechesto, there's a tremendous emphasis on the seeing of it. In fact, it's not at all clear. It's clear he has to re- relate to others everything he sees. But it's never mentioned, actually, who's supposed to build this temple. In the, in the Mishkan, we know who builds the temple, but Sarel and his helpers, filled with the wisdom of God. But who is to build Yechezkel's temple? That, I believe, is an unanswered question in these chapters.